this morning, the Lord spoke to us and he sent a very simple message to us. And does anybody who was here this morning remember the message? God has answered my prayer. God has heard my prayer. That was a message the Lord sent me to someone this morning. And I started discussing a Bible passage. And my plan was to continue discussing that passage in the afternoon service. But I believe the Lord wants me to change it. The message still remains. This message remains for someone here today that God has heard your prayers. Amen. Tell somebody God has heard my prayers. And you just need to remember that every time this week, we read from Acts chapter 12, from verse 11 to verse 17. We are going to read it, uh, we, are going, we are going in a different uh, way this afternoon. But that message that the Lord has sent remains for everyone here. God has answered your prayers. And when it looks as if the devil wants to steal from you the miracle that God has given unto you, then you need to take a stand and say, Satan, do what? What do you tell the devil when he tries to uh, cheat you of your blessing? You tell him, the Lord rebuke you. You tell him, get thee behind me. You tell him, you cannot, you cannot take away from me what God has given unto me. So, one thing you need to bear in mind from this service today is that God has answered whose prayers? So when it looks as if your conviction is being tested, when it looks as if your stand is being challenged, you will take a stand and say, I refuse to be cheated. Tell somebody, I refuse to be cheated. And you cannot and will not be cheated in Jesus' name. So this afternoon, we are going to read from John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. It's a very popular passage. John 10, 10. The Bible says, The thief cometh not, but for to do what? To steal, and to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. And this is a continuation of the discussion we'll be having on on the promises of God. The promises of God. If I remember very well, we highlighted about nine points about the promises of God. Does anybody remember any of those points? Those principles that we said are very germane to discussing specific and individual promises. Does anyone remember any of the, any of the principles? Number one, anyone? Any of the principles of the promise of God? It's very, very fundamental. It's very important. Of course, those of us who don't write notes in church, we have nothing to turn back onto. And those who write notes are forgotten. They are looking at their notes. The promises of God. What are some principles that we highlighted before we started discussing individual promises? Number one. The promise is what? The promise is for us. The promise is for me. I remember when we were discussing that we said it is for you and your children. It's for each and every one of us. Number two, you don't have to say it in, that, in the order in which we discuss it. I just want us to list anyone that we remember. The promise is, it's a word. 
So the promise we are talking about is found where? In the word of God. In the Bible. In the Bible. And remember the Bible says, Faith cometh by, and hearing by, Romans chapter 10 verse 17 I believe. So it's the word of God that you hear that builds faith in you. So the promise is a word. It's a word that God has given unto you, which shall come to pass. I say it shall come to pass. Number three, the promise of God, the promises of God are where? In Him. In Him. And we went there and said, for in Him dwelleth all what? The fullness of what? The Godhead bodily. That's why the Bible says, you are complete in Him. That's why I am complete in Him. When Christ is in me, I can do the impossible. When Christ is in me, I can do the incredible. When Christ is in me, I can do the undoable. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. So that's three. Sister Anna, were you raising up your hand? <laughs> it was Micah. So what is he saying? <laughs> Amen. So, yes, number four, the promises of God, the principles. Time. Okay? The promise of God has a time. The Bible says to everything there is what? There's a season. And a time to all things underneath the sun. And I know somebody's time is now. Amen. Maybe that's why the Lord wants us to talk about the promise this afternoon. Because there's a promise that needs to be fulfilled in your life. And the time of fulfillment is when? Now. now. The Bible says he has made all things beautiful. In what? In his time. And his time for you is when? Now. It's now. The Bible says, now is the acceptable time. Now is what? The day of salvation. The promise of God is for a time. And your time is now in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember that passage, Psalm 102, verse 13. What does it say? Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion. For the time to favor her. Yeah, the set time is when? Now. It's now. It's now. Okay? The promise of God. What, what's the next principle? Okay. They are, is it that they are made manifest or they are obtained? Aha. The promise of God, the promise of God, they are obtained through what? Faith, patience, perseverance, being fully persuaded. Being fully persuaded. You know, like, like we, have, we have indicated this afternoon. If the Lord is saying unto you, your prayer is answered. You need to be fully persuaded that what? That your prayer is answered. So that when the devil brings some things that are contrary to the prayer that God has answered, what do you do? You stand upon your word and say, Satan, there's no room for you here. God has answered my prayer. You need to be fully persuaded. Be fully persuaded. Next point. The promise of God never fails. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away. But what? The word they have spoken unto you shall not pass away. It shall not fail. It shall not fail. The Bible says, the grass withers, right? The flower fades. But the word of God shall do what? 
It shall stand forever. The promise of God never fails. Especially the one he has made unto you. And that promise will not fail in Jesus' name. Yes, any other one? His promise, his, 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 the promise of God is what? Precious. That's why the Bible says, you don't give holy things to what? Uh, because they can't appreciate it. The promise of God is precious. That's very important. Precious promises. He holds them there. He brings them to fulfillment. And my sister has said his promises are holy. They are holy. And that's why you cannot, you cannot be doing, uh, is it mixed match? What do they call it? You can't be adding black and white. You can't be lukewarm. You are either hot or what? Or you are cold. Because he said, he said, because you are neither hot nor cold, I will do what? That means I will have none of you. If you are neither hot nor cold, I will have nothing to do with you. You must be either hot or cold. When you are cold, he knows you have made up your mind, you are not for him. When you are hot, oh, he says, that is my daughter. Does God have a testimony about someone here today? Will God look at you and say, that is my son? His promises are holy. Any other one? Yeah, we said they never fail. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of promise. So that is the spirit of performance. The Holy Spirit brings it to pass. He ensures that whatever God has spoken unto you, it shall come to pass. Amen. And I speak to somebody's life here to again today, it shall come to pass. Amen. So, Today, we are going to start discussing what I call the promise of abundance. The promise of what? Abundance. abundance. The Bible says, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Brethren, there is a thief. True or false? What's his name? There is a thief. His name is Satan. He steals. You know, Satan doesn't create anything. Do you realize that? That is why magicians, they are followers of who? Magicians are followers of Satan. Illusions. Deceit. And that is why where they are uh, uh, playing magic. Is it playing magic? Is that what they do? Where they are doing magic, that's not where a child of God should be. If they tell you they will put you in a cupboard and put spear in and you come out alive. And you are a child of God. It is R.I.P. after that. They will just see blood flowing. And the magician will run away. Because a child of God has gone to where he ought not to be. They are demonstrating the, the, the deceit of the devil. He's a thief. He steals. He kills. He destroys. He doesn't need to be invited. But he does what? He comes. You don't need to invite the devil. How much more when you make up your mind to invite him? Is that not so? You don't need to invite the devil, he comes. But at times, some of us, we decide to do what? We decide to invite him. You go and be looking for his trouble. How do you look for his trouble? When a child of God is where a child of God ought not to be, that child of God is looking for the devil's trouble. When a daughter of Zion... Who should know right from wrong decides to visit a brother, an unmarried brother, at 10 p.m. in the night? And he said, you are doing Bible study. 
You must be studying the book of Satan. You are going there by the time the Bible study is over. You don't even want to come to church again. Because you have gone to sin. Are we together this afternoon? The devil comes uninvited. Oh, but how much more when you invite him? He's what? He's willing. When you wake up in the morning and decide that the first thing you are going to do is read your horoscope. And they say, today it will rain. And when it's raining, the sun will shine. <laughs> and you know some of us, some of us, you know what we do? We subscribe. And we pay. It's true or false? People subscribe to horoscope. You know what happens? You are opening the door for the enemy to come in and cheat you. As a child of God, there's no room for compromise. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Anything the devil gives to you, he gives you one thing, he does what? He takes ten back. God gives you ten, and he does what? He says, give me back one. It's a world of difference. The devil does not give anybody anything for free. The contrast between the thief and the God of abundance is demonstrated by the history of Job. We all know Job, right? And when you go and read the book of Job chapters 1 and 2, the Bible says Job was a righteous man. Righteous before the Lord. To the point that in Job chapter 1 verse 12, God told Satan. He said, look at Job. It's a, it's a man that is beholding before me. He has evil. He does not do evil. He avoids it. And Satan said, uh, what are you saying? Let me touch him. He will deny you. And in that verse 12, God said, all that he has is in your power. But don't touch him. You know, we, since this pandemic started, there's a Bible passage you have been reading. Psalm 91, right? Verse 3. Is it verse 3? But beginning from verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall do what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Your life is, is in God's hands. The devil has no power, has no authority over your life. He can make noise. Though. You know he's a noise maker. But no, he cannot take whatever God has not given to him. Oh, Job, I mean, the devil dealt with Job. When you, he stole everything that Job had, including his wife. When you look at Job chapter 1 from verse 14 to verse 19, we're not going to read it, but you can put it down. He stole all that Job had from him. But the Bible gave a testimony of Job in Job chapter 1 verse 22. He says, in all these, Job did not sin, nor charge God foolishly. And I want to challenge someone here today. A promise of God is here and amen. Whatever he has promised you, it shall come to pass. But when the enemy is making noise about you, do not sin against God. Do you know, some of us will sin on things that don't concern us. Amen? Amen. We do what? We sin on things that don't concern us. Something happened, maybe, for example, 9-11. Right? It happened in New York. 
Of course, among those that died that day, I'm very sure there will be at least one person that is a child of God. That that day, that day was maybe the day his own journey on earth ended. That the Jew said in the teaching he was given during the week, anybody can die at any time. Our God is a God of life. When your journey is over, he tells you, come. But that's not the point. Somebody will now look and say, if this your God is good, how come you allowed 9-11? What is your business? If something that does not concern you, you will use it to sin against God. That's what I mean. Instead of you to be giving thanks for your own life, that you are still alive. The Bible says the secret things belong to who? Belong to God. Him alone knows the secret. Do you know there are secrets about your life that you don't know? Do you know that? Do you realize some of us don't even know our date of birth? Yes. Some of us don't know our date of birth. Our parents will say, it's either you were born on the Thursday or on the Friday. And they will just say, hey, one, two, three, four. Whatever one falls on seven, that's your date of birth. So only God, that something as simple as your date of birth, only God knows it. And I can tell you there are many of us in that situation. I was reading an article somewhere, and they said there was a time that the Chinese, they have no date of birth. They said because everybody that is born, if I remember very well, everybody that is born maybe in a particular period that relates to, uh, what do they call it? Huh? No, no, no. That relates maybe a, 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 a year or whatever. They just say this person was born in this year. So there was, a, there was a time. They were not keeping that record. Very simple things. Is that not so? But my brethren, it could be very difficult for some individuals. And then you now want to sit down and say you have all knowledge. And compare the knowledge you have with that of the living God. The devil stole everything, but Job did not sin. Tell somebody, in every situation you are in, do not sin. Because if you don't sin, God will come true for you. That's very important. Then when the devil saw that Job did not sin against God, what did he do? He said, uh, uh, you've not touched his health. You touch a man's health, it will, I mean, forget about you. So when you go to uh, Job chapter 2 from verse 3 to verse 10, Job had lost his wife. He had lost all his children. He had lost all the animals that he had. He was just alone now as a man. Then the devil went to God and took permission and touched his health. And the Bible makes us to understand that from the, from the top of his head, down, Job had boils. He had boils upon him. You can't sit, you can't stand. He was scraping himself. This was the one that said, I know whom I believe it. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep all I've committed unto him against that day. Job did not sin. We're talking about 
a thief versus the one that is the author of abundance. When you go to the book of Job chapter 42 verse 10, you see how Job began to enjoy divine restoration. And I speak to somebody's life here today. Your divine restoration starts today in Jesus' name. Whatever the enemy has stolen from you, you are getting it back in multiple fold in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Job chapter 42 verse 10. When he prayed for his friends, and the Bible says, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So God did not just give him what he lost. God doubled it. He doubled it. And the Bible gives us a very good example of all those things. How God doubled his goats, his cattle, his livestock. He had 10 children before the problem started. He had 10 children after. And God said there must be a difference. The Bible tells us that the three daughters of Job, they were the most beautiful in all the land. Isn't God beautiful? He put an icing on Job's cake. Because he's the God of abundance. If you walk with God, brethren, I will not know very soon, he will take you progressively into the realm of abundance. All you need to do is walk with him. In Genesis chapter 17 verse 1, when he appeared to Abraham, he said, I am the Lord Almighty. Walk before me and do what? And be thou perfect. And then he began to tell him the things he will do for him. Walk before me and be thou perfect. From verse 2 downwards, you see God making promises of the things he will do for Abraham. And all of them were fulfilled. When you look at the testimony of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you will realize one thing. There's no man that walks with God and loses out. If you walk with God, you cannot fail. In Genesis chapter 24, verse 35, Genesis 24, verse 35, we see the testimony of Abraham that was coming from his servant when he went to get a wife for Isaac. He said, and the Lord had blessed my master greatly. And he's become great. (laughs) When God makes you great, there's no pulling you back. There's no pulling you down. And I'm looking at someone here today that God will make great. Who is that person? The Lord will make you great in Jesus' name. He said he has become great. He has given him flocks and heads and silver and gold, men servants, maid servants, camel and asses. God made Abraham great. Now let's look at what God did for Isaac. In Genesis 26, Isaac was the, a covenant child of Abraham. Genesis 26, verse, 22, verse 12 to 14. Genesis 26, 12 to 14. Then Isaac sold in that land when there was famine. When there was COVID, in this land of COVID, so, tell somebody so, in this land that is pandemic, there is this and that, men are running helter-skelter, so, because God will give you a glorious harvest. Isaac sold in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. God will bless you. Somebody does not like that prayer. 
I said, God will bless you. Then the Bible says, and the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. So Jacob was great. Isaac was so blessed until he became what? Very great. That's not ordinary greatness. The Bible says in verse 14, he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, great store of servants. Do you understand that? Uh, store. Instead of people storing yam and corn, this man was storing servants. Is that what the Bible says? He had a great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. I want to pray for someone here this afternoon. Your enemies will envy you. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you understand what that means. Before they can envy you, God has, would have made you so great. That your blessing cannot be hidden. That what God has done cannot be hidden. God will so give you a glorious testimony. That your enemies will envy you. That every Philistine in your life will envy you. You know these Philistines? They've been chasing Isaac around. He will go to one place. He will dig a well. He will find water. They will go and meet him. They will drive him away. But there came a point in time that they realized this man is great. In fact, if we continue to drive him away, we are driving blessings away from us. That's how God will make someone here today. Amen. That those who are, who are fighting, you will realize that uh, in this man is the source of our greatness. God will make you very great. Amen. So great that your enemies cannot but notice in Jesus' name. Amen. And then the Bible tells us concerning Jacob, in Genesis chapter 30, from verse 41 to verse 43. Genesis 30, 41 to 43. It says, and it came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Now look at verse 43. And the man increased. You will increase. Amen. I said you will increase. Amen. Now his increase was not ordinary. How did he increase? Exceedingly. Exceedingly. He had much cattle, made servants, men servants, camels, and asses. He increased exceedingly. And brethren, there are some of us here, we are laying a foundation, a generational foundation for the future. Make sure you lay the right foundation. Abraham laid a foundation. Isaac built upon it. Jacob built upon it. In every subsequent generation, it was better. That is the plan of God. If Christ tarries, our children should be better than us. Amen. If Christ tarries, our children will be better than us. Amen. If Christ tarries, whatever greatness you achieve, your children will exceed it. Amen. If Christ tarries, we are going to witness exceeding abundant greatness in the lives of our children. Amen. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. In Haggai chapter 2, Haggai chapter 2, verses 18 to 19. That's why I round up. Haggai 2, 18 to 19. I'm going to read from the Living Bible. Haggai 2, 18 to 19. I'm going to read from the Living Bible. It says, But now note this. From today, 
testimony from today. This 24th day of the month, as the foundation of the lost temple is finished, from this day onwards, I will bless you. Who is God talking to there? He said, from this day onwards, I will do what? I think that's why God wanted me to go on this, 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 this message for this afternoon. Because there's someone here that God wants to bless. And that blessing will be permanent in Jesus' name. He said, from this day onwards, I will bless you. Now look at, he said, notice, I am giving you this promise. Now before you have even begun to rebuild the temple structure. In other words, as of now you've not even done anything. To say, okay, uh, maybe it's this one I have sold, this I have planted. No, he said, you've not done anything. Before you have harvested your grain, before the grapes, the figs, the pomegranate, and olive have produced their next crops, from this day, I will bless you. Amen. Tell somebody from this day, God will bless me. Say, from this day, God will bless me. Now, because you are not a selfish person, tell your neighbor, from this day, God will bless you. The promise of abundance. The promise of abundance. 